You've lived a great life and done well for yourself. But what mark will you leave on the world? How will you inspire future generations? Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand have helped thousands of people answer exactly those questions. If you've ever wondered, what will be my legacy? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Stan and Katie Beth. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Today, we have attorney Natalie Felsenfeld with us. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you. We are so glad to have you. So tell us, all of our listeners, Natalie, just a little bit about your background and what got you started in this industry. So I have been practicing estate planning and estate administration since I graduated, which um, was 2016 from Pace Law School. I love this area of law. I went in thinking I actually wanted to do matrimonial law and came out thinking this was just the most amazing area. I originally started out as a tax associate and then started doing more of the planning side. And I happen to love it. I love my clients. I was in private practice with a couple different firms until 2020 when I started my own solo practice in Austin, New York. And I've haven't done a ton of promotional stuff, but it's been a steady stream of clients and I've gotten great feedback about my firm, about myself. And I happen to love this area of law. I love helping people plan for their ultimate demise, unfortunately, but planning for the future. It's I have so many clients who kind of like breathe a sigh of relief once the planning's done. And I like being there to hold my clients' hands through the estate administration process. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what do you think that you have that's unique about your approach to estate planning? I think I come with a more compassionate approach. I've heard that from various clients that they really did understand what they were signing and they didn't feel that they knew that what their estate plan actually did, what the documents they were signing actually did and what ultimately would happen in the future for the estate administration. So I've had various clients that ended up redoing their wills because they had done them 10 plus years ago. And they said, I have a will. I don't really know what it was. I I went to a larger firm. They kind of like rushed papers in front of me and were like, here, sign these. I think it's extremely important for my clients to understand what they're signing and to understand what exactly these documents are used for. Yeah. So on your website, it talks a little bit about how your pride is your attentiveness to your clients' needs and concerns. What is it that you do in particular that makes them feel comfortable with their estate plans and other legal matters? Would you say it's because you do build those relationships and and take time to answer questions? Is that where your approach is? does a better job of just making them feel comfortable with whatever legal work they're having done. I do believe so because multiple clients have told me that previously their lawyers did not explain their wills. They didn't explain what the power of attorney was used for, why it was so important to have a power of attorney, healthcare proxy and living will, because a lot of times they can avoid guardianship proceedings in the future as long as they have the correct planning done now while they have capacity. And I don't think a lot of my clients have previously been told why they needed these other documents and why it was important to have the planning in place 
when they did have capacity, when they understood what they were signing, when they understood exactly what their estate plan looked like. And then I've had clients when I could upsell a living trust and have sometimes not because it would not be beneficial for my client because it would make them spend extra money. But a lot of them didn't understand because they went to a free lecture that told them, oh, you need a living trust. Everyone needs a living trust. Well, not everyone needs a living trust. So I think that I, the uniqueness of me is that I'm not trying to upsell the clients on things they don't need. I really think it's important to go through and look at the assets and look at exactly what each person needs individually, rather than saying, everyone needs this cookie cutter estate plan. Okay, Stan, I know you're brimming with questions. Why don't you, what do you have for Natalie? Well, yeah, I am so totally connecting on what you're saying. You know, I've been an estate planning attorney for a really long time. And like you, I totally love it. I look forward to every day I get to sit down with and meet a new client and connect with them and hear their story. So I'm sort of curious. I want to drill a little bit deeper into the line of questioning that Katie Beth was bringing to this conversation and just ask you, you know, what would you say, what little uh, secret tips or tricks do you have to connect with clients, to create rapport with them, to get them to really open up to you and tell you their, the real truth, the real story? I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm betting you've, you've got a couple of things you do. Well, as far as my older clients, especially, like I have quite a few that are in their like late 80s, 90s, and they've got grandchildren and great-grandchildren which they absolutely love talking about. Everyone loves talking about their children. Everyone loves talking about, and then usually I will try to find a path to connect through their families. That is usually everyone's soft spot. And then once they usually start talking about their families, you find out about the assets a little bit more because there'll be a forgotten life insurance policy or a forgotten IRA that, oh, I never renamed the beneficiaries or You know, you start finding out more and more as you start learning about the families. So you don't start right away with, okay, let's get down to business. Usually it's more of a conversation like we're having here that you're saying, how was your day? You know, how are things? How are the kids? Well, tell me about the grandkids. Where are they living? Where are you living? Are you planning to retire somewhere? Like, I will try to connect with them on a more personal level and then go deeper into the assets because I find that people will, if they sit down and they think, okay, we're going to get out into business, they will tell you, I need a will. Well, okay, great. Who's your family? Who do you trust in your life? And you'll get that information, but you won't get the whole story or you'll get, I don't like my daughter and I want to cut her out. Okay. Why do you want to cut her out? Let's get the story behind that. Let's get the history behind that a little bit so we can figure out, are you wanting to actually completely cut out your daughter or do you want to leave them a little bit of something? And, or maybe I've had family that started talking again because they decided to do their estate planning and they were trying to cut out one of the children. And they said, look, why are you cutting out the child? Let's discuss this. Like, Maybe you should call them up. Like, let's try to connect. In a lot of ways, you are a therapist for them, as well as their attorney. That is totally true. 
Yes, and, I know. I was going to say, I know Stan can relate to that. We joke at our office that we are, that everybody is a part-time attorney, part-time therapist, yes. part-time counselor. <laughs> one of the questions I ask, whenever I have a client that tells me they want to cut out a child, one of the questions I ask is, um, you know, we can do this and we can put it in your legal documents, but let me ask you, if you were absolutely certain you were going to die next week, would you do this? Because sometimes I find that people cut out children out of anger, kind of figuring, you know, I'll have a chance to come back and change this, you know? And so, so I asked that question, would you do it if you were absolutely certain that you were going to die tomorrow? And sometimes they, that's when you get out the Kleenex. I've had so many clients that happens to, I had one recently actually that, um, she was adamant about cutting out two adopted daughters. He had no issue with them. She um, just decided they were adopted, which I said, you adopted them. These are your children. She had no fighting, no nothing. And she was adamant about it. But um, so I ultimately let her cut them out. But I mean, I tried my damnedest to make sure that that was really her decision. And I said, Look, you having to do this as if you're going to die tomorrow. That's exactly it. You don't have the ability to change this. How often do you update a will? How often are you going to spend that couple thousand dollars to update these documents? Right. Yeah. yeah. As a mommy to both biological and adopted children, I can't imagine that. So I appreciate that you tried your best. You know, and sometimes clients do come in and they really, one thing we see is that they come in and ask for one thing when what the result that they're wanting is actually the result they get for something else. So they may come in and ask for a will because that's what they've always heard of, but they do actually need a living trust or, you know, that happens all the times. Our clients don't always, they know the end result they want to have at the end, or they think they know. And sometimes being part attorney, part counselor looks like holding hands and walking through. And I can tell that you would be great at that, Natalie. And I know from experience that Stan is. Through the work that you do, what legacy is it that you're hoping that you'll leave? What do you hope your legacy will be? My hope is at the end of the day that one, my clients do understand what they have signed and they are happy with their estate plan as, as it stands. But I also, at the end of the day, I want them to actually feel like they, one, feel a sigh of relief that they have this in place, but two, also that they feel like there was value to what they got. I think that that's been an ongoing issue that I've seen from clients that were like previous attorneys that had said, you know, I paid all this money. I don't know what I got for this. Yeah, we get that all the time. All the time. Yeah. So let me ask you if we could fast forward, you know, a number of decades, you know, when you're looking back on your career, what do you see your legacy as being? The legacy I hope to leave is one of a competent attorney, one of an attorney that people think back and go, you know, I really liked her. She was a warm individual. I felt like my concerns were heard. I felt like my estate plan as I want it was done rather than what was easiest for the attorney to do. Because that's also a concern I've heard is that, well, I would have wanted so-and-so as my executor, but they said I had to leave one of my children or you know, that the attorney had influence over the estate plan that ultimately was signed. And that to me is not a good legacy to leave. I want to leave a legacy that I feel like I did right by my clients, that they look back and they go, you know, she was a good attorney. She was a competent attorney and she actually listened to me. 
And it was their plan, not plan. your plan. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Yes. We agree with that. Natalie, is there anything that, well, before I jump to that, Stan, do you have any other questions for Natalie? So, yeah, just quickly, uh, you're solo, right? You, you I am a solo. Solo, solo. <laughs> and uh, I don't know enough about you to know. Do you have children? I don't. I'm not married. I don't have children. Okay. So, you, yeah. so you, I was going to ask you all about the work-life <laughs> balance, but uh, so maybe you just work all the time. I don't. I do have a very good work-life balance. That was actually one of the influencing factors on going solo. I feel like I can offer a more boutique experience as a solo, but I also have the ability to travel. I mean, I can't tell you, in the last like year, actually, I went to Europe three times. I was able to do my practice virtually. As long as I didn't have an estate signing, I had my, but I was running my estate administrations and everything from my computer and my lab and my uh, phone. I, uh, my work-life balance has been phenomenal. Yep. But <laughs> that's great. Listen, Stan and I, we could talk all day about travel. So don't even get us started on that. We love to travel. And so it is great. You know, one thing that I think COVID, the trend had started. And then when COVID hit, suddenly there were so many people that became competent on Zoom and Zoom was no longer a strange thing. And there were so many more opportunities to connect with people. You know, you can be located in New York and have a practice kind of nationwide and have clients and all of these things. And so the technology, a lot of that, I feel, was tweaked kind of during that COVID period. What was it like for you working in COVID? Did you already do a lot of virtual practice then or were you more in person and had to transition? Honestly, I've been, it, 2020 was peak COVID. So right. um, I had left my last firm in March of 2020. I started my solo firm in June of 2020. So it was like peak COVID time. I, for my estate planning, my clients, a lot of them were older and still were not there technologically. I have quite a few clients that don't even have email addresses. They don't have Wi-Fi in their homes. So a lot of my practice is still in person, especially for the estate planning. I think that giving someone a face and sitting down with them is still the preferred client communication method for most of my clients. I do have a lot of virtual estate administrations as far as like, I have quite a few clients I've never met. We have talked on the phone, we've emailed, but I've never met them in person. But there are different practice areas that allow you to be a little more virtual. During COVID, you were allowed to have virtual signings. I did not have any virtual signings and I still now you can have virtual notary in New York that was codified, but I think I've done like two virtual notarizations. A lot of my practice is still in person. Very interesting. Okay. Kind of old fashioned, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I do think that, you know, the older your client base, the more the in-person having that ability is just a lot more important and necessary. And also, you know, we do love to meet with our clients in person when we can, because there are things you lose over Zoom. The digital media world is wonderful, but sometimes it's just not the same. So is there anything that we did not cover, Natalie, that you would like our listeners to know? Oh, if anyone would like to contact me, I'm also happy to commute to my clients in Westchester and the New York City area. I've done that with multiple clients. Some of them prefer that to coming into my office. And I'm always happy to accommodate them. And I think it's important. 
So. Sure. Perfect. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank and, you. So and let me, before we sign off here, let me just say, I'm really glad you do that because I will tell you that whenever I've gone to a client's home, I learn all kinds of things about them. Probably would never have learned with them coming to see me in my office. You just, when you see the way they decorate their home, like the artifacts they have, it just, it fills in so many gaps. You really, you learn so much. I also think that because they're a lot more comfortable in their own homes, they end up telling you more information. You learn a lot more about people when they're in a comfortable environment. I just think it's important. And I think a lot of my, that's also something unique that I do that I know not every attorney does, is that I will offer to come to them for the signing itself, for meetings, for any types of communication. I'm happy to either pick up the phone or meet with them in person at their convenience. That's terrific. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, this has been the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today was Natalie Felsenfeld, and you can find out more about Natalie and what she does in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Stan and Katie Beth, go to PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. You can also find links in the show notes.